Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for Podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo carrie she's not she's not talking again. son of a bitch carrie she's in a bad mood again. why is she being this way i don't know but i guarantee you she's gonna take to twitter once again when she finds out that um, she's gonna act up and especially when she realizes we have a guest so yeah, we have a rad guest it doesn't matter if she's not talking no it doesn't because we technically have somebody filling in for her ouch pretty much Ooh. I would argue the Carrie Martin of dudes in the Midwest. Right. Keep going. uh, Who are guesting on the podcast. Brock Wilbur. Brock Wilbur. Hey, Brock. How's it going? (laughs) It's it's me, Gary. (laughs) I'm Gary. It's going to be here. That is a a good Carrie Martin. I'm going to be honest. That's a pretty good Carrie? Okay. Exactly like the voice from the Mothman Prophecy movies (laughs) with Richard Gere. Chapstick. Uh, imagine me saying it back in that voice if I still had the enthusiasm <laughs> to do so. That's right. That is a big clue. Uh, Brock. It- yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Man, what a bad movie. So it's- bad. What an incredibly bad movie that introduces you to the idea of cryptids in a way that, like, that... That is the language of it that for the rest of my life was like, okay, so like uh, the rest of these are like Mothmen. I I get it now. It's just your local Mothmen. And people are like, well, yeah, I guess so. But like you you needn't start from that point. I was like, no, no, no. I heard about the chapstick. (laughs) I heard it from the guy. Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't. I I know. (laughs) I just like the concept of your. (laughs) Hi there. I am your local Mothman. I'm here to just go ahead and uh, cute. 
Clue you in to some catastrophe that's going to be happening to you. Hey guys, I'd like to tag you in. I'm Cryptid Craig. I just uh, live in everyone's neighborhood, and I just let you know what the local cryptid is. That's sort of the uh, have the cryptids in your area unionized. I'm I'm his wife, Martha. Uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a stay-at-home cryptid. Okay, I raise our cryptid children. Uh, but I got to be honest, I'm so so thankful for my husband going out there warning people about those barn fires. Uh, those, those workers' rights, or we those, take this bridge down. Another one again. <laughs> I love that they celebrate the Mothman. I don't want year. the government coming all up in here and saying we can't put chapstick <laughs> in every hotel room around here because without that chapstick, what will we talk about? Here's the thing: <laughs> if my husband wants to disorient Richard Gear on his long road trip out to buy a house, the government should not intervene and tell him he cannot do that. Okay, that is his oh role uh, in the family. How else are we supposed to put bread on the table for our Mothman local children, our cryptids, our little cryptids, Emily, Frank, Robbie, the cryptids? Like so obviously we're talking. About, obviously we're talking about Nexium today. Yeah, no, another <laughs> seamless transition brought to you by Adam Todd. Brown. Yeah, this segue brought to you by Segway. Segway, when you need a segue, no. Segway. If we ever get that sponsorship, it's going to be the best day of our lives. I cannot wait. To, until- to be fair, if you were to get the sponsorship, it is for Segway, which is uh, a device that uh, murdered its creator. Yeah. So, like, you know, that is on brand. Fit. <laughs> that is on brand for us specifically. I, I like a challenge. <laughs> I'm right. fine with that. Um, well, I'm excited. I, you know, uh, as our pretty scary listeners may or may not know, I've been busy working on some other projects. And um, one of them has uh, allowed me to cross paths with my new friend, Brock, um, who wrote a very interesting piece about a sex cult based out of uh, Albany, Albany, New York, that is also that has been posing as a self-help group uh, called Nexium. And um, right. Brock, why don't you give us the little Reader's Digest version of, of what Nexium is real quick, since you're our local expert at the moment, in, in, in addition to being our lo- local cryptid. It's a thing you can wrap up in like 90 seconds, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, he'll be Just fine. run through it quick. No, I'm it's not great. worried about him. I'm really not. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Um, uh, so uh, 2016, early on. I just post the uh, national election uh, was uh, working in journalism, mostly doing like pop culture stuff. And was like, I need to do something that matters because, (laughs) oh, fuck, we're on fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, The worst thing that could happen has happened and we need to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, And at that time, my wife found a job listing for me that was for a new company. And the company's job was to call out fake news. Uh, and they were going to, via an internal system, uh, evaluate news and evaluate whether or not it was true or false. And this was going to be what they were doing. And they seemed to have money behind them uh, and seemed to have been functioning already. Uh, and and like it, it seemed like a pretty OK thing. And uh, I was like, oh, you know what? That seems like something I would uh, throw my weight behind. That would make me feel good to do this thing, especially because like the me and my wife wound up getting married basically uh, a day or two after Trump got sworn in. Uh, oh. And my mom was uh, at the wedding, like after the wedding, like reading uh, off her iPad. Like, did you know that uh, Trump just destroyed uh, all of Al Qaeda today? And I was like, oh, where are you reading that from? And she's like, this website. And I was like, what's the it does it end in dot com? And she's like, well, it ends in like dot 
nz.iraq.net dot ouch dot iraq again and i was like okay well well like we have some work to do here um so like this thing was like okay if i can uh take on a job that unprograms my parents generation like that seems worthwhile yeah uh, and so the job was with a new uh company called the uh, uh the knife of uh aristotle uh which uh it doesn't mean anything, but it sounds like something that, like, uh, a dude that tried to fuck you after, like, a freshman year, like, philosophy class would come up with, like, no, 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 like, uh, yeah. in my frat, they call me, like, the knife of Aristotle. It sounds like a like, pickup artist right. technique. <laughs> yeah, it does. It absolutely does, right? <laughs> okay, you see that girl in the corner? We're going to run the knife of Aristotle on her, bro. Go! <laughs> you, you know what? So- ladies never see the peacocking. Of the knife of Aristotle coming. <laughs> That's what. No. Uh, They're just beautiful minding yeah. all the girls at the bar and game theorying us. Exactly. <laughs> just math the entire time. Because everybody uh, and, knows and that. that was sort of what this was. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. Sorry. Cut you off. No, no. What were you saying? I was going to say because everybody knows that every guy is down to leave the hottest girl at the bar alone. That's my favorite part of that scene is like if we all go after the average girls. <laughs> We'll go home with the date, but the hot girl right. who we all secretly want to go out with, uh, and who we hate because she's so attractive, she's going to drink alone. So then the next guy who sees numbers Which, in his mind can just ask her out. Right? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Which in 2008, I went out on the Sunset Strip right after moving to Los Angeles, and it was the only night that I ever wore uh, black fingernail polish and a stupid fucking hat. And it turned out that I was at the same douchey bar that mystery was out. oh my hell yeah <laughs> and and he is also a six seven man and i was just like i'm just like an asshole that wanted to paint his fingers tonight uh <laughs> and after it. he left was he like where are your goggles bro i was the pickup artist guy and i was just like no no oh god no no no, no. Oh, no. i don't want any of of whatever this is oh. but oh no oh, no <laughs> but also if you don't understand the context of what's happening like just a bunch of like drunk people are suddenly coming up to you like yeah yeah let's follow through on where would this start it was like none no. of this started anywhere i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> i am not invested in your team whatsoever <laughs> No, I'm here for the ch- <laughs> I'm here for the chicken wings, and that is it. <laughs> That's like me at every sports bar I've ever gone into. It's like, do you have pickled eggs or any kind of grilled cheese scenario? If you do, I'm good. Otherwise, we're, we're gonna have. To, have to I'm sorry. Roll. Did you say pickled eggs? I love pickled eggs. Wow. Right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Was that strong? Is that a strong choice? Well, I mean, the, we can explore it on you future just, episodes. You just didn't see that. It's coming. troubling for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like you get some salt, you get some pepper. No, I get it. I get exactly. it. It's gross. Yeah, you got to dress it up. <laughs> I'm not going to die on the pickled egg hill. Okay, so I'll say that. Like, I can leave. That can be left behind in the apocalypse. I'm moving on. All right, let's get back to Brock. All right. No, no, I'm, I'm on Team PE, oh, fuck so yeah. we're, we're fine. <laughs> hey, that's a great shirt. <laughs> it just says PE, and there's an egg. Like a single-dimension egg. And the egg is the hill, and you've died upon yeah. it. Like, there's just a but dead can, body. Can we make the person caressing the side died on it really small <laughs> so you have to be really close to see the dead person on top of the egg because uh, it's a big issue right. anyway uh i'm glad we have this in common brock so oh, so you so, were trying uh, to my wife my wife found this job uh, in this like fake news company and I'm, i applied and they were very quickly back to me with this sort of uh hey you you should work here and here's what the salary is and it seems nice and i was like okay that seems nice uh and then uh out of nowhere uh instead of the job starting they were like by the way uh, before this starts, you have to come to the woods in Albany nope. to 
a cabin that we own for five weeks and we're not going to pay you. uh, And it's an ethics training course and ethics is going to be in air quotes. uh, (laughs) And like at the end of that, your job gets to start. And I was like, hey, I have some questions about that. And they were like, why do you have so many fucking questions? Just come to the woods, you piece of shit. Like, just come out here to the woods. It's five just weeks. And then you start the, the thing. It's a Has journalism any... job. I don't know why you have questions no. about this. Have you seen Midsummer yet? This is like <laughs> yes, strong absolutely I have. Oh, did we lose you? Yeah, except I'm not the shitty boyfriend. So uh, it's pretty <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which which this thing started like it was supposed to start like my wife and I looked at that and we were like, oh, shit, like this is a cult. Like, what a funny joke. And then like spent a week or two looking into the finances and had some friends hop in. And then we're like, oh, shit, it actually is a fucking cult. It's tied to what is legitimately a cult. Holy shit. Oh, my God, I'm afraid. And then that led into a point that was like, should I still go? Because they don't know what I know. But. It was like the week after we got married and I was like, honey, should I go? Because there's definitely like a book deal at the end of this if I survive. And she was like, no, you can. But like you have to get me a hotel room nearby and like you have to stay there with me every night so that I know you're alive. And I was like, oh, I don't have like hotel room. Money. <laughs> like, I, have, I have I have dying occult fire money. Of yeah. course I do. Uh, and that was sort of when I ducked out, but then luckily, uh, right in writing about it. So what, what you've t- described is that, uh, at, at that point, uh, I, uh, I was writing at Paste and at Paste, mostly what I do is interview comedians, uh, and some, some video game people. And then I stumbled into this and I was like, Hey, you guys, uh, I think I found a, uh. a terrifying fucking cult. Uh, and they were like, Oh my God. And they're like, w- is there anything about them we should know? I was like, here's the thing. Uh, every time anyone's ever tried to report about them, uh, they've been sued into fuck hell forever uh, because uh, nuisance lawsuits and that's how they make their money. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. And I was like, so I'd like to publish a piece. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. I was like, but really, if if we could publish the cool, cool, cool. Um, so uh, so I, it basically turned into like a several month investigation where like I, I hired other friends. We worked on things. Um, other people that were friends of mine that were just good at like uh, f- Freedom of Information Act requests and stuff were like doing these things, and and what we turned up was like uh, that uh, this this thing, the Knife of Aristotle, uh, was a subset of a group called Nexium, uh, and Nexium is spelled N X I V M. It is designed to be impronounceable because if you were to be at one of their compounds and learn their name you would not know how to google it because it doesn't correspond to something which is a fucking pretty cool idea like it's yeah um, we gotta uh, give them that that's pretty good i I will give them that it is a group where everything else about them is like fucking dumb they have like three or four ideas that i'm like you know what you fucking you guys yeah all right that one right there that's the one thing Uh, so Nexium has existed since uh, the 90s. It basically uh, folded out from like like a call center, uh, and and then it became uh, this guy uh, Keith Ranieri, uh, who was giving basically positivity talks, but like the early versions of like TED talks uh, yep. to business people. But like everything he was saying was getting applause, but it's fucking nothing. And and to understand this guy, um, this guy now like sues people constantly because he's like i invented the idea of fax machines and i lost the paperwork because 
literally my dog ate it. Yeah. But like <laughs> sprint, you owe me money for it. Like it's this sort of like nonsense thing where you're like, it is it is the ultimate stupid person's idea of what a smart guy is. Like, oh, I invented teleconferencing and the 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 bell phone company owes me money and you're like yeah that's a fucking loot. but but also this guy is the sort of guy that also says uh, to like his followers like you have to drive me because if i drive myself my incredibly gigantic brain will set off police scanners for speeding and then we'll be pulled over and you're like yeah people believe this well fuck me okay <laughs> and it, it wasn't uh, just that people believed it people were paying thousands of dollars to hear this right Exactly. And so, like, uh, what happened was he wound up on the cover of, like, Forbes and these other places because, like, businessmen would come to his, like, his one-week conferences and hear this stuff. was like, you know what you should do? You should, like, and I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you, believe in yourself. And that's where money's going to come from. And then, like, people would applaud. And at the end of it, they'd be like, my God, that fucking guy and his dick. Oh, my God. He's so incredible. And you should pay whatever to go see him talk about whatever that was um <laughs> and so the the in some goal was that he basically became a, a tony robbins which yeah. you know has a different connotation almost immediately uh and and so he's doing this and um what he figured out was that like uh the the basic structure of what he was saying about like how you should live your life and do these things uh and this sort of like uh overwhelming like honesty program that he'd come up with it could be broken down and used in so many different specific forms of art and specific forms of like creativity and stuff so they created this journalism group as a subset of this just like they created subsets that were based out of like the west side of la that were just based on yoga or were based all over uh the world based in acting uh, or were based uh, oh, in teaching women actors. how to love themselves. But eventually it was sort of this like, you know, what you should really love is the idea that you marry a man and that he should have multiple partners and you should shut the fuck up about it. Uh, all these things all built into the idea that you would eventually wind up at basically their Albany outside of Albany camp, uh, which was this place that they owned, which was the place I was supposed to go to, which it turns out. Uh, is a is a small community that they own. And people that go there don't know that they own everything. They don't know that everyone that lives there is a part of this. So, like, people that I've talked to that wound up out there as part of this training program, uh, there, there are cell phone blockers. So they were out there for, like, a week, and they're like, I don't know why I can't hear from friends or family. And then suddenly, like, a text would get through, and it was like, get out of there, get on the train. Uh, and as they would run through town... <laughs> Text would keep coming in. It's like everyone there is part of it. Get out of it. It's like a very wicker man, like hot fuzz situation where it's like it's amazing. get to the train because well, th it, for the greater good, is, everyone's in on this it. This is the thing. And I just I just want to jump in here for a second. Like it's the, the thing about I think cults in general is that if you're in it and you're smart enough to realize, OK, I've I've really like gotten myself into something the way uh -huh. the way that a cult specifically nexium and others would then attack uh -huh. you make you sound insane like you're saying the same stuff that a schizophrenic person says you're like oh they put cell oh, sure. you know they put cell phone blockers up and everyone in town knows that they're part of this thing and you know it's just not the kind of thing that a normal person encounters um but meanwhile you know you right. you've you've <laughs> you post this article 
And uh, mm-hmm. what happens after that, Brock? <laughs> I love this story. Oh, uh, so I post that, and 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 like I said, I was I, I got Pace to really agree to be like, hey, you know, uh, because like a few years earlier, somebody from the New York Times tried to write basically a piece about how this is all being funded by two girls the bron- that are the- heiresses to yeah the bron- the Seagrams yeah. Empire, <laughs> the right? Seagrams, yeah, we're talking old the Seagrams Empire, uh, and. Or soda. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there, and I hate this, and it, it's so fucking weird. But, like, the people that I've talked to that know them think that they are of the level that they barely know how to read. So it is almost this, like, oh. you're taking somebody that's, like, on a diminished mental capacity. But it's it's two girls that have, like, infinity money. Uh, and, and they're and they stupid. Were, you know, like, yeah, and they're medically, stupid. And medically they're brought stupid. Into this. Mm. I don't know another way to say right. it. Oh, God, that makes so much sense. So, yeah. It really does. So they have infinity money to do this and to keep people uh, in lawsuits. So uh, Pace stood behind me and they're like, if somebody sues, we'll, we'll go to bat. Uh, and I published my piece about it. It's like, hey, like, uh, you know, Business Weekly loves to celebrate this guy, but I think he's running a fuck house. Uh, <laughs> and like, in addition to that, like, uh, he's running all these other side businesses that are nonsense. And, and like, there were other people that had been, there's a few other people that for like a decade had been like on the internet trying to be like, well, no one pay attention to the fact that this is a cult and no one would. And I was like, you know, look at these guys, look at this guy, like you should. Um, so immediately afterwards, I was like, okay, they're going to sue the shit out of me. So every time somebody brought like an Amazon package to my door in Los Feliz in my apartment, like when they knocked and asked for a signature, I was like, I'm signing for being like served. <laughs> I'm getting served. Totally know. getting like, served. Like I'm terrified. Uh, and, and at a certain point, like a month in, I was like, oh, this is not happening. And that's when uh, I started to notice uh, the people following me and taking pictures and following me and my wife. And spying on us and, like, hanging out where we would hang out having lunch and writing down notes about everything we said. Uh, and I was just like, well, this is this is odd. What an odd situation well, okay, to be so, in. Okay, so uh, I want to just... hear, <laughs> hear of an instance of that because I'm fascinated by yeah, this. Yeah, like, like how when, close would they When did get? you figure this out? Like, when were you like, oh, we're definitely being followed? Like, when did you go from, am I imagining this, to, no, this is like you know the rosemary's baby moment like this isn't a nightmare this is actually happening like when did that happen my my dumb one was that uh i went into a subway sandwich shop (laughs) and a guy was taking pictures of me with the the sort of uh the sort of lens that you would use to shoot a bird on top of a mountain (laughs) from 10 miles away but like from five feet away from me just like outside the subway and i was like waving i was like yes you know i get a foot-long tuna i don't respect my body but like <laughs> this doesn't prove that you're not a cult what's 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 happening here uh wow. but the one that really uh that really like broke it into the place that i was like we have to maybe leave uh was that we were it was a sunday brunch uh we went down uh, los Feliz boulevard we we stopped into a place that we like uh there was absolutely no one there and we stopped in and it was me and my wife and um so basically the piece came out and when the piece came out, a lot of uh, almost entirely women were reached out and they're like, hey, uh, I was in the cult for a couple of years or I was almost in it or like a friend of mine is in it. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about things. And I was like, I don't know where this is going, but I should uh, record these things and record these conversations and talk about stuff. So uh, I entered into like a year and a half, a two year period where 
uh, every other, every third day, I would just talk to somebody about like sexual trauma oh, man. or emotional trauma that they had experienced because of this. Uh, and so uh, this thing came a few months into that and I'd never, ever once, ever, outside of the boundaries of my house, spoken about these things. And uh, it was just my wife and me at this place on Los Feliz Boulevard. Again, Sunday brunch, we, we just each had a drink and like a, a little bit of food and there was no one else there. Uh, and I was like, hey, um, so like somebody told me this story this week and it is it has fucked me up so much. And I started talking about the story in a way that like, yeah, no one in the movie Spotlight ever went out with their wife and wound up right. talking at brunch and then ruined Spotlight. So like, I'm not the journalist I want to pretend that I am, but... We're doing that, and uh, I'm, I'm sharing that story, and all of a sudden my wife, uh, like, sort of with her, her pinky, uh, like, points, and I was like, what's up? And she's like, do you see? And I was like, I, I don't see anything. Uh, and a guy had come into the restaurant. He had sat behind me, uh, and every time I spoke, he wrote in a notebook. Whoa. And every time I was not speaking, he covered that notebook with a laptop and a secondary notebook so that no one could see that he was writing in a notebook. Uh, and he was directly behind us. So I started saying things just to be like saying something. Right. And she was like, yep, he's writing that down. And at some point I stood up and went to like the restroom uh, and like he he like threw his notebook into a bag and tried to pretend like he was just there. And I went up to the bartender uh, and I like slid her like a, a note. <laughs> and Jesus. I was like, hey, I, I'm not trying to be a creep ass. I fucking promise you, you know who I am. I'm not a creep ass guy. But the guy that is sitting next to us, I think that he is a private investigator sent to follow me. Could you look at the name on his tab and just uh, here's my phone number. If you can tell me later, just tell me. And, and uh, she looked at it and like looked up to me. And she's like, OK, we got home uh, a bit later after he did indeed follow us back. Uh, and she texted oh with his name. And of course we Googled. And of course he had this whole like page about like being in love with the cult and being like, I'm going to be a big journalist someday. Oh, and we're just like, oh, wow, what a weird fucking Brock. thing. So the combination of like, what is the, the worst possible version of this is not that like uh, a PI is hired. The worst possible version is that you, uh, you farm out interns that you're just like, hey, who wants to really go follow this guy around town and write down everything he says and does? And then it's just like, yeah, I have no experience doing that professionally, but I'll absolutely give it a try. What the hell? That's so intense. Right. So how long did that go on? How long were you followed? Uh, I would say that that happened for a couple of months. It reached a point where like... Um, I, 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 I at one point was telling friends to like, don't come in through the front door of our apartment building. Like, wow. there's a guy out there, I think. Like, it, there's there's nothing he's going to shoot. Like, you can't like, oh, look, you're friends with me. That proves that they're not a cult. There's nothing. And that, and that like ties back into the idea of him with the gigantic fucking lens outside the subway. None of this was ever to like have a disinformation campaign no. or any sort of blackmail. They weren't going to fight anything. It was just to say like, Hey, look, we're fucking looking at yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> like, scare you. Sure, just, I guess. Well, and you know, I think about, um, you know, you're a tall dude, you know, right? <laughs> and and right. and I I think about the, like, you know, if I, so I had a baby 
two years ago. And if somebody was following right. me around on my own, I guess I'd be upset. But the idea of like having a baby with me or, you know, I'm married, right. you're married. Like to me, this it's like you have a very different view of your own, you know, worth as a human being. But when they start getting, you know, OK, they know where I live, but that means they know where my family lives. That starts to get in your head, I would imagine. I it it is that thing like i am a six seven man and like the the guy with the camera that they sent uh after me was like i'm gonna say five three so he was like somebody's like middle school science substitute teacher and i yeah. was like like wait i looked out the window and i was like i can chase him yeah i can just yeah. scream just at him, chase him. Yeah. and terrify him or like what would happen later when like they were still around I was like i can punch him so hard, I think he will die. I think like, I could just turn around and just give like a single pop, especially like, yeah, they're following behind me. I, I think I would be able to explain to the cops, this guy's been taking pictures of me for eight weeks. Look at his camera. Right. That's what he's been trying to do. Yeah. And, but then there's a different lawsuit to have there. And so it was one of those things like it's it's almost uh, it's it's plying at a gigantic man. And like then there was also things where like I would my I would talk to my wife and she would like go home separately from me. And I was like, wait, uh, I stayed here to like keep them here. But like, what if there's somebody else? Right. What is somebody else going to do? Like it is it is exceptional bullshit. And we live in a city where, you know. Anyone in Los Angeles has come up against, you know, whatever happens around Scientology. This was all a block or two away right. from one of the biggest Scientology centers in town uh, where uh, there is there is a group that's a volunteer group that goes down uh, to to Hollywood uh, on Saturdays uh, because um, people that are walking along the street will sometimes start to talk to somebody and two Scientologists will come up and sort of like cross hands and force them into a building and so there is a volunteer group that just stands there to make sure that people aren't forced into the building. Like, it's 2019, and that's still a part of a thing that happens. That's insane. I didn't know that. So, but I believe you. Yeah, I mean, I, like, that doesn't surprise me. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, people are like... Yeah, they they don't have an answer to a question. They're like, ah, well, let me think about that. And like, well, while you're thinking about this, and somebody will put uh, two crossed hands behind their back, and they'll just push them into a building, and then that's that's a thing that's happened, and no one can come in there. So it's uh, what a fucking nightmare world we live in. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Yeah, for this to be a couple of blocks away is hard. <laughs> so as a journalist, you know, I think I, I, the biggest reason that I thought, you know, coming on here and I, I mean, the paste article is very interesting. Nexium itself is very interesting. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of ink spilled even by you on the cult itself. If people are interested in Nexium, that there's ample material on it now to go look at right. what you and I talked about the other day was, you know, the, really like the point of trajectory of your piece in general, which is the state of journalism, right? So you, you are a journalist. You wanted to continue to be a journalist. You were attracted to a job that was supposedly fighting for, um, you know, integrity in journalism. And then this is where, Uh this is where you ended up. And I just find the whole thing kind of, you know, ironic. I, I, you know, that, that, that something like, you know, Nexium uh, can create, you know, a horrible string of experiences for someone who really, (laughs) who really truly wanted to get the truth out. And I find that interesting because on its own, it's its own parallel between wanting to get the truth out or understanding the truth, which is how people get sucked into cults, which is crazy because you found this out 
based on a job posting. Like right. that to me, all of that tying that together is such a mind fuck because you know the idea that they're fi- they're trying to find people under the guise of it being a job is right. really powerful to me. And how often is this happening? And how successful are people at that? Yeah, I think the most impressive part of this is that you were skeptical of it. Because I know so many people who would be like, holy shit, five days at a cabin in the woods. Yeah, like, uh, exactly. Just got a new job that's I've going on the I've seen dirty dancing. This is great. Like, yeah. Like, I know so many people who would have just gone. Especially contract workers. I mean, yeah. and that's what, right. you know, so many of us are, you know, doing gig stuff. It's all three of us are freelancers right now. And um, well, you're so vulnerable in that position, you know. And um, what did it make you? Okay, so. You go through this experience and it's, well, it's its own form of trauma, honestly, because, you know, yes, you weren't turned into a sex slave, obviously, but now you're still trying to be an artist. You're still trying to be a journalist. You're still trying to be out there. Have you, how, how has this affected just, you know, the way you go about finding professional opportunities? Well, I, like, like Adam just said, uh, you just said like uh, it would be exciting to have five days in the cabin. This was five weeks. It was five weeks of unpaid training. Oh, uh, that's before a, that's you got the job. Much. But people uh, still do it. But people yeah, people still, still do it. Do it. I've but, done free work yeah. for work. I've done that. Yeah, exactly. And and that was the conversation I had with so many people was that like, uh, and not even just them. They were like, hey, you know. I have a journalism degree. Uh, Whatever place I was just working for just went under. What am I supposed to do? And they had like mentors that were like, so wait, you just have to do like five unpaid weeks and then you have like a a serious ass job. Like, go do that. There you go. So like even like even the elite of journalism were like, that is a better offer than anything that exists in journalism, which is it was one of those things that like uh, when all this broke, I was just like, what the fuck was wrong with them? That they brought in journalists and didn't think a journalist at some point was going to be like, oh, this is a hoax. Uh, well, I but mean, like, but think that about... That is pretty brazen. Within, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I think that it's it's um, it's probably a safer but, bet than we all want to admit. Because, well, first of all, if you look, the, the whole thing about Nexium, you know, what I said at the top of the conversation is people have such a low level of sympathy for people that get sucked into Nexium because the people that are initially brought in are very, very successful. You know, like Mark Vicente, who did um, What the Bleep Do We Know? That's a working, right. that, first of all, that's a working documentarian, which those are two words that never go together. You know, I mean, right. this is like somebody who is genuinely interested. And Mark's fucking incredible. Right. And kudos to exactly. Him. <laughs> That's my point is like and he was the one that brought Sarah Bromfman in. And, you know, right. um, Brock and I have had conversations about this. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, she's she's kind of the Mar- Marty Rathburn, in my opinion, of of Nexium. Right. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other Oprah. But um I I am not here, I, here is the here is the giant I, well, takeaway from everything that happened of like go ahead. I was gonna say I think the mistake was you're a comedian. <laughs> I think that's where they fucked up. I don't think <laughs> I think their idea of journalism had hadn't exactly been fully uh, realized yet when you answered because fair enough comedians uh, just 
we just don't trust anyone or anything. So that's right. that's really, in my opinion, you know. And did you know that we have no self-respect whatsoever? It, we'll, right. We'll see something through to the end if there's a story. Yeah, that's there. why I loved your comment of like, I definitely have burning, you know, in a cult fire money. Like I, <laughs> I have said on multiple, multiple occasions to my husband in looking into his eyes, like if I had never met, have met you. I would have joined Scientology as an as an experiment. I absolutely would have done it. Like, I, there's no question because I'm fascinated. I am fascinated, you know. But like, you know, I, I've seen maybe into the mouth of madness too many times. Like, I can't at this now. I have a kid. I can't. There's too much real estate. But um, not literal real estate. Just do, you, do you read Scientology Sutter Kane? Is that the? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, <clears throat> I'm just fascinated by. I mean. You know, one of the things that I've talked about on this show a lot is that, you know, I was very heavily involved in the evangelical community. And you know, right. I think everybody who's exited that community has at one point had the thought of, you know, at some point this was a cult, too. And I have to understand right. that. Like, I have to I have to internalize that at some point. Like, this all started in a messy way. And it, it's a conversation I've had with my husband a 100 times about Scientology, which is like, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, like... Right. You know, it all it all starts with like eight people in a room just yeah. determined to be right about everything. So um, I, I, I'm not as uh, maybe as judgmental as I should be. Nexium is fascinating because it attracts these really smart, successful people. Um, and then, you know, as you know, Brock and, you know, as Adam knows, um, the progression into the weirdness of it is the most fascinating part, in my opinion, uh, because there's a right. there's a lot of money from start to finish. Scientology isn't necessarily like that. Scientology is like in the beginning, you're like a nothing actor. But Nexium is like, well, what are you pulling every year? OK, now we're interested in what you have to say. It, they just right, start right. with wealthy people, which I think is very interesting and smart and very smart because you've got a lot of people that are used to opportunity and when you have when you right. come from opportunity, you come from a pedigree, you come from these legacies, you don't necessarily always hear you're important or that you matter. Like no one's giving you the rocky speech because you seemingly have already won. And in that way, I can see why those people are more vulnerable. Does that make sense? Right. So, I mean, again, like I just think their misstep was, you know, uh, they attracted a comedian to the job posting because that <laughs> just I, never, I, never a good idea. I, I mean, you're bringing up like, uh, you know, the number of people I talked to that uh, came up and they were like, uh, yeah, of course, uh, as a kid, I went to Promise Keepers or Fellowship of Christian Athletes or, uh, you know. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. I had a whole Promise Ring conversation earlier today. I missed all of that. I didn't, had that, I didn't had that Jars of Clay CD. <laughs> oh, my God. I still have Adam, it. good on you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why Adam is, yeah. wants to be my friend. Well, but. my parents both went to like Christian Bible colleges. Whoa! And the gotcha. minute they got out of college, they were like, "Nah, that's fine." Well, nah, wrong choice. You're lucky. You're very lucky. <laughs> and then okay. they turned into the kind of parents that took me to see the first Friday the Thirteenth movie in theaters. I feel like that's a good progression Look, I, there. There's nothing better yeah. than the parent that like did uh, religion. Like his college to be like, hey, you should go to college, but like, don't fucking waste your money the way that I did. But do it, do it for real, not like mom and dad did. Yeah, my dad went yeah. to the American Academy of Actors. So if you want to talk about cults, we can talk about that too. <laughs> uh, and my mom never finished college. My my grandmother was really religious, but she didn't force it on me. the The last again, time, you lucked out. The last time I remember going to church as a child, 
She she <laughs> took me to uh, she was Methodist, I believe. Oh, they're pretty laid back. Something okay. like that. And uh, or no, maybe they were Baptist because uh, someone was getting baptized. Ah. Is that how that works? Yes. And I rem- all I remember is, is that like, how that works. It seemed like <laughs> like in my vision of it, the person was like 500 feet in the air. Like, yeah, way, way up there. And there ah. were like glowing red lights. Yeah. But my grandmother. Yeah, that's a, that tracks. My grandmother. Brock and I are like, what else you got? <laughs> my grandmother bought me a <laughs> dinosaur pop up book. And yeah. that kind of softened the blow because it looked pop- like someone was getting murdered. Was it was the bathtub? They were drowning so the, someone. So the tub was probably eight or nine feet in the air, right? It was up like there, behind. Yeah. Like so, there's the stage, and then you realize, like in Country Bear Jamboree style, like oh, there's a whole set back there, right? And then the curtains go up, like oh, there's a tub. There's like a water tub. Yeah, there was a whole performance, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, every page I turn pterodactyls. That's probably for the best. Yeah, it was all. It- my, my question is within the dinosaur book. <laughs> What age were the dinosaurs coming from? That's a good. I that just dawned on me that I was reading a dinosaur book in church. Wow, <laughs> wow! It's almost like Brock and I should start a cult where we help people unearth childhood memories. It's like my grandmother was quietly Christ. going, "Fuck this! This yeah. is here. Read the dinosaur Adam, book." Adam, what we just used on you was called technology. Oh, do oh I? Oh my god! <laughs> I feel like I have a button I need to flatten. Yes, you do. You have a button. Uh, uh-huh. That's a Scientology term. I do. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. You, Flatten that button. You you hit on a thing here that was the thesis to this section, which is sort of the idea that, like, the people around this are smart and good, which was the thing that fucked me up about this when I, yeah. I got started, like, post my piece coming out and, like, talking to people, where I was like, everyone I'm talking to is, like, so much fucking smarter than me. What are you doing in a cult? Yep. Like, how, what, what series of words magic tricked you into doing this and they're like no no no. you know i i was always doing these things and then i did this and like i just wound up here and then i lost eight years to it i was like nope let's go back let's <laughs> cycle on. back there you 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 person with like an sat score that blows me out of the water what what is that uh and and so much of it came back to this thing that um everything was a playbook page out of like uh old scientology or old est or whatever like group that you would uh want to use uh but it um it always came back to this idea of like hey you you smart person are you smart enough to know that what you were going to do in this life like working in marketing somewhere or uh you know writing on this tv show or uh you know running this company that it sucks it sucks in a historical sense. It it sucks in an ethical sense. It sucks in this way that, like, what you do, you will become that dinosaur set of bones in the earth. And they're like, what we have right now is a system of things that are helping change the world. And we are making the world a better place. And if you come, give us your time and energy, you are going to go fix the world. And so a lot of these people, uh, very smart people doing very smart things and inevitably selling out families and themselves and everyone around them in the pursuit of this thought that like they were like fixing entire countries they thought that they were being told like you know this 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 country in south america like wow uh it was a dictatorship but now it's a democracy and everyone there has like medicine and things like that and it's like if 
if your only source of news is this because you've been told that every other source of news that you could ever encounter, uh, including anything you could Google, is a lie, then you're like, wow, I am being told that I am like fucking Jesus and like good on me for doing this. And I'm going to keep doubling down on that. And I was like, "Okay, you know what? That would make sense to me. And uh, there is a... (laughs) There's a video game coming out this week called The Church in the Darkness, uh, and it's on all the platforms. Uh, my my friend Richard made it, uh, and uh, it is basically Jonestown uh, as a video game. It's set in the 70s. Damn. Uh, it's a cult. Your sister's in there. You're supposed to go in to try and get her out. You can either go in, like, trying to be guns blazing, or you can go in there, like, trying to hide, or you can go in trying to be, like, I, I would like to try to be uh, part of what you're doing. But as part of one of our... Uh, I'm so excited. You just made... Like, that. Adam looks like it's Christmas right now. I've never seen Adam light <laughs> up. Course. That sounds like tons of fun. Yeah, that does sound amazing. It's 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 Metal Gear Solid, but with Christianity. Oh. I hope you're okay with this. Oh, oh so, just, uh, so just basic, like, Christianity? I, mean, I don't really understand. I'm confused. Vintage Christianity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So as part of one of our discussions about that, because uh, he was like, I want to talk to you about like your cult thing. And, and we got into it and he was like, why do you think that people go to cults? And we got into a discussion. And the thing that we both hit on about why somebody in 2018, 2019 is turning to cults is that um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, Twitter doesn't make you happy. I don't know if you nope. I don't know you guys you guys hear about this you see about this Absolutely. you hear about this you see about this you see about this thing uh, yep. so like um, yeah. the thing that like he was tracking was like you know over the last decade there's been this incredible drop off in in a generation going to church and those people don't see those people anymore and so yep. it's it's this sort of loneliness that you experience via social media but you don't see any of those people in real life anymore and then like a cult pops up and it's like what if you saw the people that loved you and cared about you every single day you woke up with them and had breakfast with them in the morning you all said nice things to each other and then you worked around each other all day like it's a pretty fucking compelling argument all of a sudden instead of being like I don't know somebody cancelled me on Twitter and I don't know why or what it means yeah and these are adults with these anxieties you know and I, I also I was thinking about this on the way up here because I don't know if anybody else out there who's exited Christianity still does this but every now and then especially because there are podcasts I like to check in on different you know church services and things like that just to kind of understand what's going on out there still you know right. and the one I was listening to um, was this story of of Jesus going to see uh, uh, Simon is that Simon Paul? I never, I never understand. They call him Simon. Yeah, Peter. Simon Peter. <laughs> Thank you. And this, I'll never. I, I was like shocked. This was like, it was just weird because I have all this Nexium stuff going on in my head, and to see this go down, it was in front of me. Was weird, but it's the story where Jesus goes to Simon Peter, and uh, his mother is has a high fever, and but Jesus puts her hand on uh, or puts puts his hand on her and her fever goes away and then the scripture is and then uh the, his mother immediately started serving everyone so she she's suddenly better feeding everybody dinner and now people are coming to to Simon Peter's house and Jesus is casting out demons and all this crazy like cool stuff is going on but the pastor giving the sermon literally says 
uh, you know, there's a couple things that are going to pop up when you're reading the scripture, right? You're wondering, you know, why is Jesus casting out these demons? And, and why are the demons right. not allowed to speak his name? And I'm thinking like, yeah, those are good fucking questions. I want to understand that part. And the pastor says, uh, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about community. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And he gets into this thing and he starts talking about like, you know, Jesus had friends. You know, that's what that's what this is about. <laughs> Jesus had friends and, and Jesus spent time. He knew their families. He knew. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is crazy because this is exactly what I'm I'm learning about and reading about right now. You know, he he's taking anything right. that he's finding, like whatever dick spit shows up and is like, I'm going to turn <laughs> into this. Con- I'm going to turn this conversation into a conversation about community and the importance of it. Right. And then, of course, the Carrie Strug ending is going to be me saying, and this is the community you need to be in. It was right. freaking nuts what what a lot of this you know who else had friends is jeffrey epstein and jeffrey oh yeah well i was just gonna bring up what what a lot of this reminds me of especially the community aspect and getting outside to see other people who think the way you think that's the purpose trump rallies serve terrifying because that's his most like i watch every trump rally and they are all terrifying (laughs) And the the perp, if you look into the psychology behind those, that's the purpose they serve. Because those people, if they're on Twitter, if they're watching the news, all they're hearing is Trump is bad, everything's bad, the world is burning. But then they can go to their local arena when Trump is in town, and here's 40 or 50,000 other people who are all chanting, send her back. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, the world really is the way I think it is. And it's which which that made a a weird uh, peak to mind was that like after this came out and before like the New York Times came out with their piece about Nexium and the knife uh, in between the editor of the knife who tried to bring me out for this job and who brought these other people out but was already exposed started being on Fox News all the time talking about how they were evaluating what was fake news. And so like my parents were seeing that and like messaging me and being like, are you sure that they're, and I was like, I'll lose my fucking mind. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, if all it takes is to see the guy on television is the difference is like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Like, come on. But listen, I mean like, yes, that is all it takes. I I really truly believe like that's it. And you know, there's a part of me that watches what's going on with Trump. And I still think to myself, like, Oh God, is he as bad as I think he is? Or am I, am I, you know, I question myself just because like, I'm not an idiot. You know, you're supposed to question yourself. Right. Yeah. And then I, I then go back into my world of true crime and and murder and cults. And I'm like, (laughs) no, you have the blueprints. Like, you know, that this is how this works. Like, this is how people get taken in and so to, to, to you had the blueprints is such a good name for a podcast oh my god yeah. yeah yeah cut to me living in a trailer growing out my armpit hair like no i can't like i i, I it's already bad enough guys it's just <laughs> it's already too dark but okay so to kind of pull us back from the the lip of the apocalypse um oh. let's get back to next i know i'm sorry to disappoint you you sound so sad but uh right. i thought we were all dying on this podcast oh shit <laughs> I mean, Did go on, I guess. That? I, but... I watched The Invitation. I thought that's what we oh, were up God, to. Oh, God, I really love that movie. <laughs> it's that's a good such movie. a good. Have you guys seen The Sacrament it's yet? It's a good movie. Yeah. Have you seen The Sacrament? Female director. <laughs> I love The Sacrament. That's Sacrament's another really, good. really good. Have you seen that, oh, Brock? Uh, the, 
the uh, the church in the darkness is basically the sacrament as a video God, game. It's flawless. sign <laughs> me up. I will definitely play that one. And I'm not even right. like I. I mean, let me be very clear. I can fucking kill at on the Super uh, Nintendo Yoshi's Island video game. I can rock your world. But once it got three dimensional, I was like, I can't keep track of it. Yeah, I don't I'm, have a console. I'll have I'm, to play it on my phone I'm, if that's an option. I'm too short for options. Too saves me time when I talk. <laughs> just too stressful. Um, Adam. <laughs> yeah, that's who he is. So, um, but back to, to, you know, before, you know, we are, I think we could all talk about all this for way too long, but back to Nexium, And, you know, I, I think that, right. I think that what is really, really, really interesting to me is that I don't think Keith Raniere is a genius. I, I he's obviously not, and and you can. The, there are three reasons. Do you think? No. Well, <laughs> well, what's fascinating is he. That's his marketing. It's like I am a genius. Right. I am like this kid genius. You know, whatever. He's to me is just like the nightmare college guitar guy. But um, oh, he abs. You, you've seen the picture with him with his. Shirt I off. hate that. Do you understand? <laughs> I have that picture burned into my brain and it looks like he looks like he could have come anywhere on that on him on him. That's what he, he looks like. The come could be it anywhere. It could be anywhere on him. And he, he, his armpits it's coming from inside your house. He looks like somebody is t- like cast a spell and they're like you're going to be a wookie. And like but the the photo is like mid change. It's so gross. He's just so gross. I hate him. Um, what what happens with him was that like it takes four to five years for you to reach the point where you can actually talk to him uh and in that time everyone tells you he's the smartest guy in the entire world and then when you finally meet him he will walk around his property with you like on a walk around the lake and he asks you to talk to him and he doesn't say anything so uh the thing that makes him the smartest boy in the world is the same thing that makes jared kushner the smartest boy in the world like just if that guy never speaks everyone's like wow what a smart boy it is the exact same process <laughs> i wish i had picked up on that for myself way early on but i think hundreds of podcast <laughs> episodes out there now i yeah I'm, i blew that a long yeah time we ago. are not going to be able to hop on the the, the shush train we're, no, we're stuck no we're stuck um, <laughs> but I do think that he managed to find his, uh, ilk of vulnerability. And I, I really think that that right. is basically the only way you succeed as a cult leader. If I may, uh, you have to figure out uh, who am I to, who is my audience, you know, and, and what is it that they never, ever hear? What did their parents not right. say to them essentially is what we're dealing with. Right. And like right. you've got these Bronfman girls, and I can't think of a better uh, example of of who you know. They're perfect. You know, they're 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 the upper class twit people that you know everything they own and nothing they ever do will uh, that's good will ever be attributed to anything that they've actually ever done. And so they're gonna go right. do the only punk rock thing they can do, which is join a cult and then use their skills. To bring in the Dalai Lama for an event—that's that's, pretty. That's insane. the other thing. It's like Nexium is is a cult, but like if they're—I mean, like what are you? If, well, if my friend is in a cult and I'm like, you got to get out of this cult, and then she says to me like, well, if it's a cult, why did the Dalai Lama come? Yeah, I'd be like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, I, think I don't know what to say. I think that speaks to why really smart people fell for this because yes. if you see someone like the Dalai Lama there, yeah. That's going to add a little credit. Like if we had the Dalai Lama right. on our podcast on an episode of Pretty Scary, holy shit. Yeah, we've done something right. <laughs> giant, 
China would start following us probably. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, no, Ch- all of China. We would be sanctioned by China. Actually, we'd be immediately sanctioned and then immediately cut out just because we talk about ghosts. Welcome to Pretty Scary presented by Tencent. <laughs> uh, boy, okay. I use a Huawei phone. They probably are Perfect. listening to this already. We uh, Okay, well, good. Yeah, our, our money has all been turned into Bitcoin, and this is where we're at. Um, I, I just... Um, so uh, the last kind of portion that I want to talk about is the fact that you, you have a... And I, you probably know this about yourself, but as somebody who's researching this project for different reasons, you're in a very unique situation because you've spoken to a lot of survivors from this place. So other than right. like Rick Ross, for example, who is a huge cult expert, there are very few people walking around on the planet, Brock, that have communicated with as many people who have gotten out of this thing. So what right. are, apart from, you know, the, the mommy daddy issues that we've uncovered, um, you know, what what other commonalities are you seeing about these people? I mean, or like, or do they have common fears about not coming forward still? I mean, what's going on in this community of people that's just in a deep sense of like loss and recovery at the moment? Uh, so, so what I have uh, from it is that like, uh, I came out of this and I, I like fell into this like second wave of things where people are like, I would like to talk to you because I think I can talk to you. And I was like, I don't know why you would talk to me because like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to fucking do with this. Uh, But like, if you need to talk to somebody. So it was basically like, can I be your therapist for this thing? Uh, And and then from there was like, okay, we're going to do something. And and there were a couple of different projects that that have been at different points, podcasts and and a TV show and some things like that. And uh, that they'll find their own place. But um, throughout all that, uh, you would wind up talking to people uh, and and doing that and talking to the people that had left uh, and talking to the people that had just been in it was fucking hard. What a fucking nightmare. The the worst part of it was um, for at least a year here opening my DMs uh, and having somebody be like, hey, I'm this person's dad. Do you know if they're even alive? Because like they've been cut off from me because of this. Wow. And it's like, yeah, they, they are alive. Uh I, I actually know where they are. Um, I don't think you want to be put in touch with them because all they would ask you to do is to give you their life savings because of where they are. But like they're alive. And like, I, I know that from somewhere. Uh, and, uh, and there were all these, wow. these opportunities to like try and try and do something. Um, and uh, it lived real hard in me for a while. Um, and then at one point I was talking to uh, one of the people around Rick Ross uh, who mentioned that like, Oh, when my piece came out, something like 100, 150 women uh, left the cult, like, like the next day. Like it was wow. this thing that was like, oh, hey, this was the first time that somebody ever spoke out. And they were like, oh, we'd all had some suspicions. And then this happened. And even though they told us, like, it's all fake news, we left. And like it was it was a year, year and a half later. I was like, oh, well, fuck me. I did one good thing in my life. I, I spent the rest of my time being a piece of shit comedian. Uh, and drinking and being an asshole. Uh, but one time I helped some people. Uh, but, uh, the thing that comes from that is that, uh, it was like, okay, well, how many people are left? Right. And no one has an answer on that because, uh, Nexium has centers all over the world. They have a, it is, 
everyone everyone in nor in in the media has sort of like centered on this as this albany thing is like oh they were branding women on the pussy in albany and that's the thing but like no one has any sort of general idea of how many people are in the group worldwide and even within that like how many active members are there it doesn't compare to the number of people that are like um well i believe in this but like i'm not like living in a compound so like for decades there will be people that still exist that believe in whatever this is even though keith ranieri is finally in jail uh and and that is sort of where this episode goes which is that uh for two three years now uh the idea was still, even though, like, everyone followed up while I was doing, was like, hey, Nexium was a sex cult. At some point, uh, they might avoid legal capture and then come back and fuck Sue everyone into death for being like, how dare you call us a sex cult? Uh, right. And uh, thankfully, like, some sex trafficking and stuff happened in New York, uh, and they were able to uh, pin a number of people around that and... Everyone fucking turned and ratted on Keith Raniere. Pretty, pretty After, wonderfully, like, actually. Like he he didn't have anybody speak on his side of the trial. Like he had no character witnesses right. that spoke to him because he had gotten people so in in so deep in his inner circle uh-huh. that they all had to plea out. Like all of them, which I I love. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, and 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 this one follows up with that that thing I said earlier about uh, Nexium not being pronounceable and then googleable uh the women in his uh sex circle uh were branded uh with his initials uh, and they were branded because they figured out that in that part of new jersey uh in that uh county if they were to tattoo somebody with the initials it would be illegal because they didn't have a valid tattoo license but if they were to brand someone like cattle uh, there's no law in the books which is one of those things that you're like you you fucking dove into the law books to find the worst, most evil fucking thing you could. Jesus. And like, well done to you. Like, way to well, fucking and then, crack the weirdest, worst and thing. And then to do some, like, to get some, like, inside baseball out there about Nexium, there's this cult, there's this recording of Allison and Keith walking on the property. Um, right. And he kind of cues it up to make it seem like the branding then itself is all Allison Mack's idea. But what you're telling right. me is that they did research to discover that technically branding is not on the books as illegal. So it sounds like what happened was he says to her, we want to do some kind of branding and then right. gives this to her and then records her as though it's like her idea. Well, and, and the crazy. thing that everyone else presented was that like she sold this all as like a, a fun sorority sort of prank. So she took weeks to build up to this. And then, you know, this sort of thing happened. But also, like, I said this on social media when when everything first hit. And I, I think we talked about this uh, before. But, like, I was like, hey, Allison Mack is a victim here, too. And people were like, fuck you. What, what's wrong with you? I was like, no, no, no. I mean, yes, she absolutely deserves to go to jail for so very long. And she has hurt people in so many ways. But also, like, Allison Mack... The person from a couple of sci-fi shows that filmed in Vancouver right. would have never come up with these ideas and would have never done with this. She's just, she was just dumb. And yeah. she did this dumb thing and it went on for so fucking long and became so fucking awful. And you're like, you know, who do you blame for that? And it is the person that tells you how to right. do it. Like, she deserves 
punishment, but like she is a victim still within all of this, which that's <laughs> that's always my argument when Tom Cruise comes up and people are like, oh, exactly. But he's an yes, evil exactly. Scientologist. <laughs> It's like, no, evil yes. Scientologists got him when he was, like, 19. Yeah, like, David a- Miscevich is, is yeah. who we need to be talking to. <laughs> yeah. He's that. never heard another voice in his entire fucking David life. David Miskev- right. Miscevich's wife is still missing. Oh, and she's... And nobody... Oh, and she's dead, but I mean, she, like, nobody... She is... She's dead. She's got to be buried she's at dead. sea. Oh, yeah. No, she no, no, She signed no. a billion-year contract with the sea. Yeah, yeah. She, she, <laughs> she did. Man, that Going Clear documentary, the most painful part of it, in my opinion, is when um, Tom Cruise is singing. Remember, mm, there's, like, the footage right. of him singing at his own birthday. Oh, my God. And then the sad John Travolta singing. That oh, part's yeah. really sad. Right. There's a lot of sad celebrity singing in that documentary. It's pretty rough. Um, okay, so... Before we leave, um, Brock, yeah. let me ask you. Yes. Uh, how do you know you're in a cult? Because nobody <laughs> thinks they're in a cult when they're in a cult. Nobody. That's the only way it works, right? Like, there's no, there's no way that early on you're saying to yourself this. Because I know people that got sucked into Landmark, like, in the beginning. Right. And their mom was like this is you gotta like you're in a thing like this is a thing no 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 no, caitlin it's it's a self-improvement thing it's like no no caitlin this is like tony robbins like no this is not like tony robbins because you're not going to florida for a week and wasting money and then moving on that's not what we're talking about here right. we're talking about you wasting money and your life and you're not right. being fed so what do you think from your perspective after t- talking with these survivors and you know um, after being per- pursued by tiny men with big cameras. Uh, <laughs> how do you... I do love your summary of that. That's nice. It's what I do. Um, how do you know you're in a cult, Brock? How do you, uh, just Here's your perspective. Here's what I would take uh, that I think is the best moment. Uh, I've heard from so many people about so many bad moments, about so many bad relationships, about so many things that they were forced into. Out of all of them, uh, I think the distillation is this. You are in a cult, when you know that you are making the wrong choice, when you know that somebody is being pressuring, pressuring you into something, uh, and then you ask everyone around you, everyone that is your trusted friend, everyone that has become your family, and you say, hey, is this the wrong choice? And no one says anything. It is, it is a situation that is defined by everyone that I talked to about the moment that they realized that they had to leave was like, hey, I, I realized I was going into something and like, it was fucked. And I was like, hey, you guys, is this not fucked? Uh, and everyone just sort of like nodded in a midsummer mm. cult oh, fucking God. nightmare way. And it's like the moment that you you ask people to weigh in, because even in just normal universe world, uh, I can't think of anyone in my life that like if they're like, hey, I'd like to marry this guy that at least one of their friends wouldn't be like fucking nah yeah don't do that yeah. like yeah. everyone has like a a criticism to offer for something yeah just to be like at least let you hear the criticism from somewhere in a world where no one offers a criticism or even a word and it's just like mm-hmm, you're in a cult then that's when you need to run <laughs> when 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 people just nod incoherently run from that <laughs> that's a good i like that I like that. Like if, if no, yeah, I like, that's a good answer, Brock, because other than that, <laughs> well, because the thing is, is like, it can't, we can't judge it by money. Right. 
because right. that's like what the fuck I, I still don't understand how money works um we we can't sure. we can't <laughs> judge it by re- like p- personal revelations because i've had those in regular crazy christian church i've had them through meditation i've right. had them watching the simpsons so you can't you can't give that to anything you got to know that you're in a cult when you have a gut feeling and you bring something up and nobody even bothers to disagree with you they just silence you that's that's right. that's a good answer i like that a lot yeah all right <laughs> solid work man i uh i am right. i am sorry <laughs> that you had to go through all of that but i'm very grateful oh, that, that you. you and i connected and i'm grateful that you were willing to come on uh, our show to talk about your experience yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for doing it. We I, really appreciate it. I don't think thank people you both for having me. I don't think people really realize what journalists put on the line um, when they're trying to get an actual <laughs> story, like a real story, not like you know, right. I'm going to get drunk and review my best friend's wedding because it's going to be cute. Like really trying to get actual news is usually a very risky endeavor. So thank you for for doing what you did and. Uh, we appreciate that well, a lot. Well, to be fair, by your standard, this was the most vice version of like a, should I go to the woods and see if somebody <laughs> murders me? <laughs> I mean, again, like if I had nothing, if I had no one like needing me for their like mental development, I would definitely be doing that stuff. <laughs> I, that's that's interesting fair to me. Enough. But um, but anyway, thank you for having uh, having us on, Brock. If people want to get to know you or come see you or whatever, how do they figure that part out? Oh, I'm at Brock Wilbur on Twitter and all the other sites, uh, BrockWilbur.com. Uh, search for me on the iTunes. You can find my uh, stand-up comedy albums, a number of podcasts, including one I do with my wife about politics in the Midwest called Missouri Loves Company. Oh, my uh, so, God. Uh, I see what you did there. That. I do. Yeah. I get it. I do. <laughs> I, do I do get I like it. I like it. I like oh, it. Thanks. Yep. That's good. I, I hear the Missouri, that Missouri's the show me state. That's what I know about their their slogan. That's true. I know a couple state slogans yeah. because I had no friends in high school. Only Jesus. What's Illinois? Uh, I don't know about that one. I don't remember either, but I grew <laughs> up there. So, oh, yeah. I know that New Mexico is the land of enchantment. No, it's not. Well, guess what? It is legal. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's legally. It's the land of fantastic breakfast burritos. Maybe they should call it the land of meth enchantment. Wow. Oh, Caitlin. <laughs> I know. I oh, know. my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're too much. Oh, man. Uh, I got to stop. That's a real epidemic there. We're uh, sorry, New Sorry Mexico. about your teeth. Okay. <laughs> um, well, Brock, have, have a great night, and thanks for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later, I guess. <laughs> we'll bring you back on for another cult. <laughs> well, that was so much fun, Caitlin. That was really, really fun. He's a cool guy, right? Yeah. I think that was the first time I've ever, like, really gotten a guest like that on my own for the show. <laughs> You've gotten guests before. I know. I'm just kind of kidding. I, I just don't remember the last time I actually went out. Car- I feel like Carrie is kind of our bird dog with that stuff. She's so good yeah, at that. Yeah. So this was... Uh, this or was... people reach out to us, like Sky Borgman. Oh, Sky's the best. Sky's great. Sky's great. Uh, yeah. I Brock, Brock's good people. He's very... He's a great stand-up, too. Like, I... Yeah. I've followed him on... We followed each other on the socials for a long time. He's just such a great... Um, and if you ever see like his videos and stuff, it's so much funnier imagining him investigating Nexium, knowing what he looks like. Yeah, well, there's no way he can go undercover. No, no, he's like he's Kyle a mountain Clark. Of a there's, man. No, there's no, there's yeah. no like. Uh, well, it, I mean, we're all very conspicuous people. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Ha- I'm not. We all stand out. I had a conversation with someone about this the other day. They were like, "Were you ever nervous like doing stand up?" And I was like, "I'm five ten. Like, no, I'm not like some tiny little." 
yeah wafy and also just like i have a big personality like nobody's gonna come at me yeah i don't think this is the thing that i want this is my dismount that i want to explain to people this is a hairy dummy guy that spent his whole life his whole life building a multi-million dollar business only because he wanted to have sex slaves like you have to look you have to understand that that was his goal yeah not the money this is when people want to control people the money is a byproduct and something that they see as a requirement in order to trick people yeah it's not the greed part that is driving people like this it literally is control of other human beings yeah oh totally and control is like it's it's everything it's as much as money it's it's like it it's a driving influence in so many terrible things right and so you know i i just want people to like take these like i think people are so easily like turned off and they just say oh it's always a money thing and they let it go but it's like no that's how people very badly want to control you Right. Like as literally as possible. And there are bad people out there that want to do that. And they want to do that with you or kids or whatever. Like that's the way this is like actually going down. And we have to start being very realistic about how robust these systems are. And I do think that that is going to start happening because at a certain point, like, oh, yeah, this information, if Epstein is in jail, this is good news. Like, that's a big fish. That's not, like... My thing about Jeffrey Epstein, he is a monster. He is a terrible person. And if he's murdered in jail, we should take to the fucking streets and demand an answer as to who did it. Yeah. And how and why. Like, that will be... If he's killed, that will be a fucking assassination. But here's the thing, though. Like, and I... and First of all, I completely agree with you. And it's very likely... Um, but beyond that, I really do see Epstein in jail as hope because that means something's cracking because that guy, if that guy isn't protected, we can actually get to some people now. Right. That means everybody below him. And you know, this is another thing that nobody talked about that happened. I want to say only a month prior to Epstein going to jail, there was a, uh, a minister from Mexico who had a billion dollar ministry that was arrested and taken into jail for sex trafficking. So very slowly but surely, these big figures in sex slavery for children, they are, I mean, we are watching this happen. This is really happening. The Venezuela beauty pageant industry too, which is huge in that country. Yeah. Had a big sex trafficking scandal. And so that's, I mean, I I hate to say it this way, but like, at least that's where everybody can agree. Like, yeah. We can all agree with that. Right. And that's why I keep joking about it. But if I'm ever going to run for president, my campaign is my only campaign promise. The only one I will make anybody is that if I become president of the United States, I will I will absolutely reinstate swift capital punishment for people convicted of sex crimes. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. It's a decent campaign. I'm not going to bother with the economy. I'm not going to bother with international shit. I will I will bring on a great team that's good at that. But if I'm ever president, the only thing I will spend my time doing is is tracking down people that hurt kids. That's it. That's all I'll do. Nice. So vote for Caitlin. I'm vote just, for Caitlin. I'm just a mom. Uh, <coughs> that was like the most dramatic cough. Thank you. Yeah. I've been practicing that. Yeah. I've been building up to it all day. Sweet. Should we get out of here? Yeah. I'm going to die. I mean, not literally, but I'm so tired. 
been oh, recording all day. Let's go home. And I had to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That took a lot out of you. Exhilarating film. Yeah, so it good. zapped you, though. Woof. Really did. <sighs> all right. Caitlin, do we have anything to plug? No. Fucking listen to Pretty Scary. Give us good ratings and reviews on iTunes. We need that. I'm just glad that you stopped recording with the flashlight under your chin. That... <laughs> That was really hard for me to I just to think it makes things spooky. It really does. It, it makes does. things. This is what I looked like in a past uh, life. Yeah, yeah. You caught me off guard the first time, but <laughs> I got used to it. I just like, I'm glad you stopped doing it is my whole point. Check so. out flashlights, everybody. That's my plug. <laughs> Put a flashlight under your face when you talk to the person in the room with that you. That really is today. lost its place in society somehow. It fucked me up as a kid. It's I didn't like creepy. it at all. I don't like it Because that was what I was told was that that's what you looked like in your past life what was when you have like the shadows oh my god and i just didn't want anyone to do it or i didn't want to see it it was i'm with you on the fight on the latter points i just didn't realize that there was like a deep-seated like paradigmatic belief (laughs) that you had about it that's that's some interesting stuff so now we have to get flashlights and see what we look like in our past lives we got to take that photo past life adam and caitlin sweet i All cannot right. wait me neither me neither i wonder Good if stuff. it will work with the flashlight on our phones or if they'll just Should we find blind it? hold us. on let's find out right now we're gonna get a reaction from adam on uh does it work no <laughs> it looks like you had no face whatsoever oh, okay it's just too bright is what it's like the led thing is, versus yeah. the like the the bulb all right well we we, we solved that mystery all right I'm glad we ended this on a Scooby-Doo note. <laughs> we really ended this this on an upbeat note. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering where it started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry you couldn't be here for all of this, Brock. No, but you're going to be happy that this is how it ended, I think. You were here in our hearts. In our hearts. And in Caitlin's past life when she held the flashlight <laughs> up to her face. I saw you. Adam's crying blood right now. <laughs> let's go. All right, let's get out of here. Caitlin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.